Let's read from the book that we love. Romans 8, 18 to 28. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, great to be with you. Got my notes. I don't know how to work this thing here. Uh, my name is Darren, and I attend here, and the session invited me to offer some words of encouragement to you this morning. So let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words, and I recognize, Lord, that as we have come here this morning, as we have uh, sung these songs, as we have hugged our friends, uh, as we have uh, sat in our seats, Lord, I recognize that uh, we do come from all kinds of different places. Some of us have come in this room um, and we are feeling like the weather outside, absolutely delightful. Lord, others of us come into this room and we feel like complete and total messes. And Lord, I recognize further that some of us come here and we are filled with faith and hope and belief in you and others of us, it feels like the faith we have is, is hanging on like a thread. Uh, some of us feel like we have no faith at all. Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, whether we are uh, in a time of bliss or at a time of despair, whether we are coming to you with a lot of faith or hardly any at all, pray that you give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we do ultimately come the same, with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, to be changed by you. Lord, I pray that you would show us uh, your son this morning uh, in the words that we have just read, and I pray that you would lead us to follow him more passionately, to know his grace more fully, and to be more transformed substantially by him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, it's really appreciate the opportunity to uh, share with you this morning. You know, being a parent is hard, but there are some really precious moments. And I had a, one of these moments recently. I was speaking to my oldest son about some really big life decisions, things such as where am I going to live? Uh, what's my career going to look like? What's my life going to look like? And I'll tell you that you know, one of the greatest joys I've ever had as a parent is in a conversation like that that we have fairly frequently, you know, because my son is actually really walking in wisdom 
and seeking to follow the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, there is just so much joy in a conversation like that. But in our most recent conversation in that way, um, he, was, he was sharing with me his patterns of thinking and his wrestling with what to do. And, and I affirmed every single thought that he said, but then I added this. I said, you know, you are acting really wisely, but you can't avoid seasons of suffering in your life, no matter how wise you are. You are going to have to walk with God through that. I said, you know, if you're wise, you can avoid some suffering that results from foolishness, right? Like if you're, if you're a fool, you're going to have more, you're going to bring stuff on yourself. And, but if you're wise, even the wisest human being to ever walk the planet, right? Solomon, he, he had a lot of suffering, even some owing to his own foolishness. You can't escape suffering, period. And I want to tell you that uh, this passage this morning is addressing the kind of experience that brings you to the end of yourself. And, and some of you are, are in that place right now. Others of you have never been in that place, right? In, in which case, I believe you will be in that place one day. No matter who you are, you will find yourself, if you live long enough, unless you're, you know, your metabolic function is terminated early, right? Elon calls it rapid, unplanned separation, you know, when the rocket crashes, right? Unless that happens to you, in which case your family will suffer, you will have a season where you are brought to the end of yourself. And this passage is intended, I believe, to be a guide for you asking the question, how do you walk with God in a season such as this? A um, little bit about my life. So for the past 10 months or so, I have been in that season. I won't go into all the details, but I will just tell you a couple of highlights for your edification. Uh, I have cursed more in the last 10 months than in the entirety of my life combined. I have yelled more in the last 10 months than I have ever yelled in my life. And, you know, you might be asking the question, why in the world did the session invite you? I have no idea. I'm not on the session. I don't know what, I don't know what they think. They decide behind closed doors with cigars and beers, and they just give me the highlights right? But I will tell you that uh, whether their decision was right or wrong, you know, I am coming to you this morning as a sinner, right? That's, that's who I am. I am coming to you as a sinner who has had to wrestle with this passage uh, and to attempt to discern uh, how God directs me to walk with him through a difficult season. Um, back in February, I decided to do something I had wanted to do for many years, um, and that's buy a Tesla, so they had offered some big discounts and other things, and I thought, this is it. I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you, it is amazing, right? And if you do decide to buy one, I humbly ask you, uh, use my referral code. You'll get some perks. Um, little, little, little shout out there. But I decided to buy one, and I just love driving this car. And I had one of my kids was in sports activities, and, you know, it was kind of one of these things where you drive to the practice, and it's not really worth it to drive home, you know? And so... Being the entrepreneur that I am, I said, you know what? I'm going to make some money during this. And so I signed up for Uber, and I just decide to Uber people while I wait, you know? And it was actually really fun. You know, I used to be a pastor and have congregants to pray with. I love praying with people. And so now I have customers, you know? And uh, this, I had this one, I actually think of it as a game. You know, how can I show the kind of hospitality that would perhaps encourage someone to open up to me, right? It doesn't happen very often, or, or the kind of hospitality to get someone to tip. I want to tell you, by the way, only two out of 10 people tip. 
right? And Uber is continuing to like take, give you less money as a driver. So if you take an Uber, please tip. Um, they really appreciate it. So one night I had a lady and um, picked her up and it's just like, hey, how's your day going? And she said, well, I'm, I'm in a hard season right now. And I said, sorry to hear that. And she said, yeah, you know, my husband decided to leave me for my college roommate. And, and I said, that, that sounds overwhelming. I'm sorry to hear that. And then she went on to say, she said, you know, but I'm a Christian. And, you know, I've had to, to wrestle with my faith and walk with God through this. And I said, you know, it seems to me that the test of one's faith is really seen, is really discerned in a season such as the one that you're going through. And as she said, wow, yes, it is. And she's like, you know, she was like sitting there perplexed. And I said, ah, okay, fine. I'm a Christian. So let that on to her. But, you know, friends, I'll tell you that it's that kind of season that I believe this passage is addressing. And again, if, if you're not in that place, I do encourage you to listen. You know, if you don't want to listen, you could surf, uh, surf X, formerly known as Twitter. That's fine with me. I won't judge you. Um, a lot of interesting stuff on there these days. But, you know, I would encourage you to listen because if you're not in that season, I, I do believe that you will be one day. So how do, what does God say to you in that place? And I want to walk through some of the highlights of this passage. This is actually my favorite chapter in all of Scripture is Romans 8, the entire thing. I uh, encourage my kids to memorize the entirety of it, I encourage you to memorize the entirety of it. So what does Paul want us to know when we enter a season like that? So the first thing is, verse 18, is that he acknowledges it, that God acknowledges the reality of seasons such as these, right? Paul says, for I consider the sufferings, when? Of this present time. He doesn't pretend that they don't exist. Um, scripture is actually replete with references, particularly in the letters of Paul, to seasons such as this. Um, and he says, this is real. This is going to be uh, your experience at some point in time. That's the first thing he says. Um, the second thing, though, that's contained in that sentence in verse 18 is that these seasons will come to an end, right? He says, I believe the sufferings of this present time, what does he say next, are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And his first word of encouragement to you is that if you find yourself in a season, you need to understand this is not going to be permanent. Right? It will come to an end. One day it will be no more. The second thing uh, that he wants us to appreciate is that the reality that's coming for those of you who are in Christ, like if you're here and you're a Christian this morning, you, you have been saved by Jesus Christ, you have faith in him, and you will one day be brought up to him in glory. He said, what is coming is so good. It is so overwhelmingly wonderful that you won't even be able to compare your darkest moments right now to what is coming. Right? And I'll tell you that, you know, if you're in that season today, if you find I'm, Darren, I am, you are talking to me, I'm in that season today, I want you to know that there will be a day where you will look back and you will say it is, it is a bad comparison to even reference that dark season because things are so profoundly good, right? The sufferings of this present time are not worth 
comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that's the second thing he says. First thing is that uh, it's real. Second thing is that it will come to an end. And I love the metaphor that he uses um, in this uh, passage. Look at verse 22. What's the metaphor he uses? My, one of my favorite metaphors in all of Scripture. He says, for the whole creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, childbirth is awful, okay? I mean, it's terrible. We, we had one kid in the hospital. The rest of the kids we had at home because we're weird like that. Um, and I'll give you a speech on why it's so much better at home if you want. But we had one kid in the hospital. And I'll tell you, Chrissy's water broke. You know, we were actually supposed to be in a birthing center, but kid was coming early. So they was like, you can't, can't go to the birthing center. You have to go to the hospital. And our water breaks. And when, you're, when that happens at certain weeks, they just like keep you in there waiting for you to go into labor. She wasn't in labor. And we're just chilling in there. You know, I had no phone. This was before iPhones. We're just sitting in there like, what's good? when's this going to happen? What's it going to do? And like every like 10 or 15 minutes, there would be screaming from the rooms around us. It was like a torture chamber in the hospital. I was like, my goodness, this is, this is like barbaric in here. I mean, I can tell you, Rissa, if you've never heard that, it's awful. It's terrible, right? And, you know, I, I was like, wow, this is like, it was like ominous. Terrible way to experience these things, my goodness. Um, and so, you know, but there's something about uh, the maternity floor at the hospital that is absolutely wonderful, right? And I'll say, I, I've visited before COVID, especially, right? I used to do a lot of hospital visitation, and those are sacred moments. But I'll tell you, my always, always, always prefer to visit the maternity floor as opposed to other floors, right? Why? Because on the maternity floor, most of the time, right, there is absolute pain there's like the, the, some of the worst pain of a person's life translates into some of the greatest joy of a person's life. And that's the metaphor that Paul is using for you this morning. He's saying, you are the whole creation is groaning together, is in agony, right? It's like being tortured. But what is it? It's not the, it's not the screams that come from the oncology floor, right? Very different very different. It is the screams that come from the maternity floor where you would sometimes hear screams and I, you know, sometimes that would turn into hymns. We sang a hymn actually afterwards, right? There are screams that turn into praise. It doesn't happen as much on the oncology floor, right? Um, and that is, the, that is the metaphor that Paul uses for seasons such as these for the Christian, right? That these are comparable not to dying of a terminal disease, but of experiencing temporary pain whereby, you know, and it's, and it's so wild to me, right? Because, uh, you know, again, it was so awful. Like, I, I can't even imagine. It was hard for me, okay? You know, sometimes, <laughs> listen, it, it was hard. It was a little traumatic, right? You know, and Chrissy, right after uh, her son was born, she's like, I am never doing that again, ever, Right? But God has this way of, you know, it took about six months, maybe seven, and she's like, I might do that again, <laughs> right? Why? Because the joy of a child, right, says it's the joy of a child, it makes it not worth comparing to the pain of childbirth. And that's the metaphor that God is using for you this morning that he wants you to know, right? So first, suffering is real. Second, um, 
suffering is temporary. Um, and then, you know, thirdly is that what God wants you to know is that if you are a Christian, and I keep qualifying it this way because my hope is that for those of you who are here this morning and you're not Christians, that perhaps you might consider taking that step today. Right? Perhaps you may want what God is offering and extending to you today. Right? So the next thing that he wants you to understand is that when you go through these seasons, right, that can be overwhelming, that can be horrifying, can be horrible, he wants you to know that his spirit is with you in a unique way. Right? So uh, look, uh, look with me in verse 23. And he says, and not only the creation... Right? But we ourselves, he's talking to us, right? talking to you. Again, if you are a Christian, he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning you know, have the first fruits of the Spirit, you are a Christian, which means the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and he's walking with you. And he says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. And then look with me down in verse 26. One of the most profound statements I've read in Scripture in a long time, actually, by the way. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Do you hear that? He's saying, when you walk through a season like this, what do you do? Like, what, what comes out of your mouth? Answer, you groan, right? You understand this whole cursing thing? What is it? It's groaning, right? If you feel that, like, again, I might get in trouble, but I don't care. I give you permission to, to curse, right? To groan. How do you groan, right? There's a lot of groaning on the maternity floor, right? That is what you do. And what the, what the Scripture is saying that is, blows my mind so he's saying, sometimes the groans of a person walking through a season like this are actually the groans of the Spirit experiencing that reality with you, praying for you. And friends, again, this is, this is, so, this is so heavenly, I, I don't even feel like my mind is wrapped around it that much, but what it's saying is that we don't know how to pray as we ought. And again, when you find yourself at the end of yourself you will probably find that you don't even know what to pray for, right? That you're not even sure. It's one of the reasons you need to have people you really trust pray with you because you're like, I don't even know how to pray. And I will tell you, if you find yourself in that, totally okay, right? But you're groaning, but you always bring your life back to God. And that's something that actually Chrissy has had just so much wisdom in. One of the things that she would say she says, you know, no matter how bad your life gets, never stop praying. Even if you don't know what to pray, never stop. Talk to God about what you're feeling. Bring it before him. Why? It's like what this passage says. We don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit who is dwelling with us will pray for us, and his prayers sometimes surface in the groans of a person. Right, so when you feel yourself groaning because of the weight of what you're carrying, this passage is saying that sometimes you, you should take off your shoes because you are in the presence of the Holy. The Holy Spirit is, is doing that for you and with you. 
And you know, the other thing that kind of, um, you know, comes out in here is that, you know, God wants you to know when you're in a season like that, that he hasn't abandoned you, right? Like when you're groaning the temptation, and by the way, you know, if you're ever in a season like this, the, you know, the, the, the best way to pray is just to read the Psalms, right? Because what you'll find is the Psalms are a lot of what I'm talking about, right? Um, they had a lot of like bringing groans to God, like, God, why have you abandoned me? Why is this going on? What's, the, what's going on, the other thing? And the, the Psalms is kind of a, it's a little bit of a peek inside the inner struggle of some of the people of God. So what God wants you to know in this passage is that he is with us, right? That he is walking with us, that the spirit is at work in us, even in uh, the times of our groaning, right? So, you know, and I want to tell you something, you know, I want to give you a little uh, word of encouragement, you know, so I used to pastor and would meet with people and pray with people and I don't pastor anymore, you know, and so now I'm a congregant or as I like to call it, a client. I don't know, I always prefer that analogy. And, you know, over the last 10 months, we have needed a lot of pastoral care, okay? And I want to just uh, tell you, you know, some of you are here and you're kind of like worried about like the pastor search and everything. I'll tell you something, I'm not really worried about it right? Uh, it's fine, you know, um, because God has been at work. I'll tell you, th- uh, through Sam and Mary Kay, they have ministered to us in, in a way that has just been so profoundly special. And if you have never had a visit from Sam and Mary Kay, it's really something else. Like, you know, their, their perspective also come, often comes out in a way that's a little surprising. Uh, and they have walked with us, and, and others have as well. Uh, our friends, Dear friends, um, Josh as our director of congregational care, um, some of our deacons, and I just want to tell you that from my perspective, where I, I always sit in the back, right? Used to sit in the front, now I sit in the back. Um, love sitting in the back. I argue with my family about how far back we can go. Part of it is I just love to see the entire congregation and see what God is doing. And I'll tell you from my perspective, God is at work. And if you're worried about the pastor search, I want to tell you God has this. That God loves this church, and he's, he's okay. He, he's fine right now. Uh, he's got this under control. And I hope that you don't um, act in fear uh, or in, in doubt about that. So that's, that's my word of encouragement to you. So um, the, next, the next thing that you know, I want to bring to your attention is we say that God is with us, Right? And we, say, we see here that the Spirit prays for us, and it comes out in groaning. And you know what the Scripture is getting at here is something that is actually pretty unique to Christianity, right? So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's other competing religions in the world, and perhaps some of you, again, identify with other things. Maybe it's humanism, maybe it's Islam or something. There's something fairly unique to Christianity, and you know what that is? It's that the character of Almighty God, who is absolutely perfect, absolutely holy, has everything in control, and, but he is able to sympathize with us, right? That's Hebrews 4, right? Hebrews 4 says, we do not have a great high priest who was unable to sympathize with us, but we have one who was made like us in every way and yet without sin. And friends, I just want to tell you, you know, one of the things that will lead to prayerlessness in a person's life is not understanding that God sympathizes with your weakness, right? You know, and again, I, I think that, um, you know, 
One of the reasons I'm okay with cursing <laughs> is because, you know, a lot of us don't do that out loud. We just do it privately. I'm like, what's the difference? Might as well do it out loud. It's fine. Feel better afterwards. Um, a lot of us just do it privately or, you know, we, we have our own ways of doing it. Um, and what God, I think, wants to say to you in those moments is saying, I get it. I get it. Right? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the, so the message of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ willingly left heaven and chose to live life as a human with weaknesses, with temptations, being betrayed, sinned against, spit upon, slandered over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why? So that he can pray for you in your darkest hour. And he can pray for you with sympathy. That's the message of Hebrews 4. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, but one who is made like us in every way. So, how do we respond to this in closing? How do we respond? Well, there's a couple of responses that I've had and seen others have, and there's one that I want to promote to you. So, one of the ones that I've had in my life, and ones that I've seen fairly frequently, is that when you're in a season like this, prayerless, right? And again, maybe you don't curse like I do. That's okay. But what are you? You're stoic. I'm just going to be stoic and quiet. I don't really think that's better, by the way, just so you know. I'm going to be stoic, and I'm just going to be really silent and try to grit and bear as best as I can until something changes. You know, and I think the passage here wants you to consider something different. Uh, What does it say? I would direct your attention to verse 25. He says, but if we hope for we do not, what we do not see, what, what happens, we wait for it with patience, right? And what Paul is uh, pointing out is that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit living in you, walking with you, groaning with you, praying for you, you want to know what you, where, how you can tell whether that's happening? Answer, you become more patient, right? It's patience comes out. I can patiently endure. Why? Because I believe these things. That's what hope is. He says, if you're experiencing the actual, like, fulfillment of something, that's not hope. That's fulfillment. Hope, by definition, according to this passage, only happens when you can't see it. That's, that is when it comes out. And friends, therefore, the encouragement that I have for you is, could you take what you're experiencing, again, if you're in that place or if you will be in that place, and can you bring it to God and be real with Him, tell Him exactly what you're feeling about it, and then ask Him to give you the divine hope whereby you begin, in, in the midst of those moments, you begin to have something break through so that you can actually believe all that this passage is saying. God, I believe that this will not be forever. I believe that you will redeem the years the locusts have eaten. I believe that you will make something so good and so powerful and so profound and so beautiful and so wonderful and so pleasurable that I will not think it is in any way a comparison to my darkest moments. And when that hope breaks through, What's happening? 
Answer, the Holy Spirit has decided to do something in you. And when it happens, and when it happens, take off your shoes and worship. So don't become stoic. Take off your shoes and worship. And friends, I hope for you, uh, as we, uh, Pastor Sam is going to bring us to the Lord's table, I hope for you that this table is one of those moments that as you come to this table, this table, by the way, by definition, is only for sinful people, right? If you're here this morning, you're like, Darren, you're like, I can't believe you do these things. I, you know, I can't believe that this is something like a reality for you. And I don't feel that at all, right? If you, if you say you have no sin, what did Ben tell us this morning? Like you're, you're lying. You're out of touch. You're messed up, right? If you don't think you're messed up, you're messed up. That is a definition, right? But if you were sitting here this morning, you're saying, I am, I am a sinner. I have failed six ways to Sunday. The word of Christ to you this morning is welcome. You, you're, you're, invited to, to, you're invited to feast on what I have done. Because this body and this blood and these activities were designed for sinners to cleanse you, to forgive you, to bring you in close to me. That's what he says. And friends, as you taste of that, as you consider these words, perhaps for you this morning, perhaps there will be a small miracle as hope begins to break through in your life. And if it does, the right response is worship. So let's do that now. Father God, we praise you and we love you and we adore you and we worship you. Lord, I thank you that you have sent Jesus to sympathize with sinful people uh, such as myself. Thank you that you are involved in our darkest moments, in our seasons uh, that are where we feel like we are at the end of ourselves. Lord, I thank you that you welcome sinners to, to eat with you. This man welcomes sinners to eat with them, it was said. Lord, we adore you for that reality this morning. And Lord, I pray for those who are here that are not Christians this morning, that have no faith at all, that are trusting and hoping in their, their own abilities to figure things out in life. Lord, I pray that perhaps you would woo them in this morning. They would want to be part of this, want to be part of your kingdom and family. And Lord, I pray that you would have mercy upon us and cleanse and forgive us of all of our sins and lead us in righteousness. Lead us in... Uh, in faith. I pray that you would give us this divine gift of hope this morning. I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. The cup of bless would actually and truly and substantially be the blood of Christ. Thank you for his love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.